0: Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this message. My name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. You are listening to a very special message. This is from our Christmas program. It is called With Us. Enjoy. Matthew chapter one says this. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. To take Mary as her wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. This all happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. How's everyone doing this morning? We just want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas, and we're so excited, so happy that you could be here with us this morning. Um, I just want you guys to know that uh, if you're a guest here, if this is your first time here, we're super excited you could be here with us this morning. And uh, here at Kingdom Church, uh, we just believe that no matter where you came from, no matter what you have done, no matter where you are going, we believe that God has a plan for your life and we believe that God has a plan for your future, and so we're super excited you could be here this Christmas season, uh, because we believe that in your life, the best is yet to come. And We believe in your life, God has a plan, God has a purpose for you. And so we've already heard messages this morning, so I don't wanna speak long, I just really wanna put a bow on top of, of the word that God has placed in our hearts already. So I promise not to speak very long, but I do want to speak a little bit. Can we just give a round of applause for all of our musicians this morning? was a tremendous amount of uh, stuff going on leading up to this program but it all worked out as best as we could have hoped um, We'll write a book about it later I uh, growing up I always played hockey I still play hockey uh, I play men's league and I say this always I'll play hockey until my back can no longer allow it um, but I play men's league hockey and one of the big differences between, between men's league and minor hockey uh, is in minor hockey of a coach That's one of the differences. The beverages consumed post-game are also different in men's league um, for those people that do that. Um, But in minor hockey, you have a coach, and that's one of the big differences. Once you get up to the older levels, you don't have a coach. And in minor hockey, I remember one of my last years when I was about 16 or 17 years old, uh, we had this specific coach, and he was an interesting character. For those of you guys who don't know much about hockey, I'll just enlighten you. Uh, Generally speaking, a coach is the person that runs the team Uh, They're the ones that, especially when it comes to practice, they're the ones that tell you what to do. Sometimes they'll even come on the ice with you, and uh, they just show you the ropes. They show you how to do the drills. I had this coach this particular season, and it was very odd, because for this coach, he would not come on the ice. He actually coached us from the bench, which is, if anyone plays hockey, it's it's really weird. The closest he would ever get is sometimes he would bring a chair, and he would put it at center ice, and he would sit on that chair... And he would coach from there and I always found it extremely odd I was like how come he doesn't come on the ice and so I had some theories in my head he was a, a larger gentleman so I figured maybe he didn't want to get injured maybe his best days were behind him uh, what I came to find out was that he didn't know how to skate and that was why he didn't go on the ice and I found this very very weird for a coach of a team not to know how to skate And it was very difficult after I found out that little tidbit about him, it was very difficult for me to take him seriously as a coach. Because as a coach, he's telling you what to do, skate harder. And I'm like, skate harder? (laughs) You don't even know how to skate. It it was very difficult for me to take him seriously as a coach, take him seriously as someone who's supposed to, to be there for us, someone that's supposed to tell us what to do, someone that's supposed to coach us, someone that's supposed to cheer us on. Because for someone that's never skated before, they have no idea what it's like when your legs are burning. They don't know what it's like to pivot. They don't know what it's like to catch a pass when one of your edges blows out. They just, they're they're not able to relate because they've never been in the game. And so it was very difficult. I did some research this week, and I found out that in the NHL, which is the National Hockey League 30, of the 31 coaches have played some level of professional or semi-professional hockey. Why? reason being, I think, and I believe, is because in order for the coach to be effective, in order for him to to communicate, in order for him to relate to his players, he has to be in the game. He has to have played, he has to have known what it's like, he has to know what it feels like. Because if you've never been in the game, you don't know what it's like, you can't have compassion, you cannot relate to the people who are playing. It's interesting, one of, I think, the biggest objections against church One of the reasons that people only come to church on holidays like Christmas or or Easter or special occasions is because for a lot of people, the church, God, has been a place where people can't relate. People have thought that churches, God, whatever it may be, those are places where people go on certain occasions, but they they don't relate to my life. It, It doesn't really apply to me. It's funny, though, because when I understand who Jesus is, there is not a version of Jesus that was ever separate from humanity. The very story of who Jesus is, the Christmas story that we're looking at this morning, in this Christmas story, Jesus is in the very heart of humanity. He's in the game. And it is funny because so many people think, well, you know, we have reality and we have spirituality, and, and they're on two completely different spectrums. And, and so many of us, we live in that reality, and when it comes to spirituality, there seems to be this divide. Like, yeah, I, I understand spirituality, but I also have bills, I also have kids, I also have a mortgage, I also have problems, I also have depression, I also have struggles, I also have pain. And so we have reality and then we have spirituality and we make spirituality sound really great because God can fix our lives, God can save us, but there's this divide, there's there's something that is missing. What I want us to see as we go through this Christmas story is that I want us to see the very heart of the Christmas story was that Jesus came to mend that divide. Jesus came into reality, Jesus came into the very heart of what it means to be human and he did it for us so he could be with us, so he could learn to relate to us. And I know for many of us, we've heard the Christmas story before, but I hope this morning we're able to hear it and see it through fresh eyes. Matthew chapter 1, the verse we just read again, says this. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, this is A key point, while she was still a virgin, this is telling us that that Mary and Joseph have never had sexual relations. It says she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And whether you've been in church or not for a long time, chances are you've heard of the virgin birth. And a lot of times we skip over it, but I don't want to skip over it today. I want us to look at it with with fresh eyes, and I want us to look at it specifically from, from the eyes of Joseph, who is hearing this news. Is there anyone who is engaged or married in this room this morning? No one's married. That's a lie. My wife didn't raise her hand. That's fine. It's one of those audiences this morning. I want you to imagine for a second. It doesn't really matter whether you're engaged or not. But your partner comes to you, and and perhaps they're showing, and they say, "Hey, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant." But we've never. It was the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit. And I mean, Joseph, a part of him is probably like, well, that's points for creativity. Like I never heard that one before, Mary. But a part of him has to be devastated, number one. But a part of him is also probably just like, Mary, just tell me the truth. Mary, who is the father? Was it Jehoshaphat? Was it Eliezer? I'm just using like Jewish names here. Like who was it? Because if I'm Joseph, I want to know the truth. And if I'm Joseph, there's no way that I believe this story, that this Holy Spirit, this immaculate conception took place. And we know for a fact that Joseph didn't believe it. Because what it says next, it says Joseph, who was a righteous man, decided that he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he was going to break the engagement quietly. He was a righteous man, so he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he was going to do it quietly. Now I need us to understand something. In 2018, this is still a scandal. Just think about this story. I was thinking about this week and I was like, chances are this story would be on Mari. At the very least, it would be on Dr. Phil. There was a time when Dr. Phil was a doctor. I don't know what he is now. He's just a reality star. I see some of the guests on his show. At the very least, this story would be on Dr. Phil because it's a scandal. My wife thinks she got impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And I can just imagine it. And in 2018, it's a scandal. But understand this 2,000 years ago, this story is more than just a scandal. This story could have been, and in all reality, should have been the end of Mary's life. Because in this time, according to the law, Joseph, if he wanted to, and the reason the Bible tells us he was righteous, is because Joseph, if he wanted to, he could have had Mary put to death. That was just the law for adultery. But he didn't want to do it. And so he decided to do it quietly. He didn't want people to know. He didn't want Mary to be disgraced because Joseph is a really nice guy. But as quiet as he probably wanted to keep things to be, as silent as he wanted it to be, there was one thing that could not shut up. There was one thing that would not shut up. It would be Mary's belly. And as this baby inside the belly begins to grow, no doubt voices begin to talk. There's chatter. You guys know how it is. And people begin to talk. Did you hear the one about Mary? Mary. And Joseph, they're not, they're not even Mary. Mary must have. And you can only imagine what Joseph is going through, the emotional turmoil that he is going through. But what happens next, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. And he said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is fine for Joseph now because Joseph has the confirmation that he needs from God and Joseph can think to himself, well, at least I know she wasn't lying. At least I know he's telling the truth. And for a lot of us, we kind of just stop there and we think that it's all rainbows and butterflies. But it's fine because Mary has been confirmed and Joseph has been confirmed, but no one else knows the story. We still, and the thing about the Bible, the Bible doesn't give us the whole picture, but it gives us enough for us to be able to paint pictures ourselves. And one thing I know for sure, one thing I can imagine, although Mary and Joseph are now feeling better, this would not stop the voices of everyone else. This would not stop the voices of the family, of the friends. And one thing I know for certain, this probably would not stop Joseph's parents. I know for sure Joseph's parents probably weren't feeling this. How do I know that? I watch 90 Day (laughs) Fiancé. Has anyone in this room seen the show 90 Day Fiancé? I need a hand this time. (laughs) That's what they all say. So was I. For anyone who's seen 90 Day Fiancé, the premise of the show is that there is someone in America, whether it is a guy or a girl, and they find a foreign person, uh, whether it's in Colombia, the Ukraine, uh, Russia, anywhere else, and what they have is they get engaged. And they get this thing called a K-1 visa in the US and that gives them 90 days to get married and therefore that foreign person has an American visa. And for anyone who has ever seen the show, it's like all reality shows, every episode is exactly the same. There is never one episode where the parents are supportive. Every single time the parents are always angry, they're always mad, they're always sad, and they're always like, don't you know that this person is just taking advantage of you? This person just wants a visa. This person doesn't care. And, and, and how I see what happens when, when there's conflict with relationships because the parents are often the, the most angry. They're the most... And so Joseph, he knows it, Mary knows it, but I can only imagine his parents. Like, really, Joseph, you're going to believe that one? That's the best she could come up with? Just leave her, turn around, and never see her again. You see, the picture I'm trying to paint for us, friends, when it comes up to the birth of Jesus is that Jesus' is whole, the whole Christmas story, it's full of chaos. It's chaotic. It's a scandal. This is how Jesus came into the world. He came into chaos. And for those who know the story, this was just the beginning. This was just the start. After Jesus was born, they have to flee, and, and they go, and there's, there's this there's inn, and there's no room in the inn. And so Jesus, the Savior, is born in a manger. We all know this story. But soon after that, Jesus and his family have to flee because there's this this manhunt for, for kids under two years old. And so Jesus and his family, they flee to Egypt. And so now they're living as immigrants in a foreign country. This is the story of Jesus. This is the story of baby Jesus. Jesus is born into the very heart of humanity. Jesus is born into chaos. And it's funny as as I look at the story, as I read the story, I don't think for a second that this is a coincidence. I think this is exactly how it was supposed to be is funny because the people, and we saw it in this video, they had this idea of what the Messiah was gonna be. That word Messiah, it literally just means savior. And so the people are waiting for a savior and they thought the savior was gonna be some political leader. They thought the savior was gonna be strong and mighty and powerful. He was gonna be a king, he was gonna reign on a throne, but Jesus comes as a baby born out of wedlock, as a supposed bastard child. That's who Jesus was. And I love what Matthew says in verse 18. He says, this is this how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. He says, this is the story. He doesn't try to hide it. He doesn't try to sugarcoat it. He says, this is how Jesus was born. It's funny, if you were trying to, to make up a story about a leader that you wanted people to follow, this probably wouldn't be how you would write it. He'd be born in the best hospital with the best health care He would be raised in a wealthy family and he would go on to be this strong ruler. But the Christmas story, the very essence of who Jesus is, he was born into chaos. His whole life is chaos, we see it. Jesus, he's surrounded by the poor, the broken, the destitute, the downhearted, the the brokenhearted. This is who Jesus was with at the same time, he was on the other end of the spectrum too. He hung out with the religious elite. He hung out with the rich. Jesus was everywhere. Jesus was in the very heart of humanity. You see, there isn't a version of Jesus that is disconnected from humanity. There isn't a version of Jesus that is disconnected from us. Because Jesus was born into this chaos, because Jesus was born into this confusion, and at times, it seems almost too much, but because Jesus was born into chaos, we know that he has compassion on us. We know that Jesus knows what it is like to be human. He knows what it is like to live as we live. He knows what it is like for us to struggle. This is what we need to understand, friends, for everything in our lives that we feel, whether it is depression, whether it is shame, whether it is hurt, and and there's so many people, and I know some of us are in this room, and we're thinking to ourselves, there is no one in this world that knows what I've gone through. There's no one in this world that knows what I am feeling. There's no one in this world who could feel how I feel The story of Christmas tells us that Jesus has felt it. That moment at your lowest, that moment when you think there is no one else on earth that knows what it's like, Jesus knows exactly what it was like because he was born into this this chaos and therefore he has compassion. And some of you are thinking, well, there's no way that, that Jesus could possibly know what I have felt because you don't know what I felt. But I do know this, the Bible tells us that when Jesus hung on that cross at Calvary, the Bible says that all the sins of humanity for all time rested upon him. What that means is that Jesus felt everything. He felt that pain, he felt that shame that is so deep in us. If anyone ever knew that was there, we could not even go on. Jesus has felt it. He's felt it. Because he was born into this chaos, he has compassion on us. I love what the book of Hebrews tells us. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, who is unable to empathize with us. What this verse is saying, because we have this idea in this pictures of kings and kings are high above us. There's priests, they're high above us. Celebrities, they're high and they drive fancy cars and they live in white houses, but Jesus was born into this. He lived as a meek and humble human like the rest of us. And it says, therefore, because of that, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then come boldly before him with great confidence that we may receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Friends, this Christmas season, uh, our appeal here at Kingdom Church is very, very simple. Because you have a high priest that can empathize with everything that you've ever gone through, no matter what you feel, no matter how deep, how dark you think it is, Jesus has been there and he's come back and he says, you are forgiven. He says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And in the prophecy that they cite in Matthew chapter one, it says all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Why do they call him Emmanuel? What does Emmanuel mean? Emmanuel means God is with us. This Christmas season, friends, God is with us. He's with us. Matthew says this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. This is the story. This is your story. Jesus came so he could experience what you've experienced. He's in the game, he's experienced it, and he loves us despite us. He loves us sometimes in spite of us. And it's funny as we close, I want to go back to the very first part of the video we watched this morning in chapter 1. I know some of you weren't there, but it tells the story. It's an Old Testament story found from 1 Kings chapter 18. And there's a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah, he's down and he's out and he's almost feeling depressed. The Bible tells us, he says, God, just take me away. He's like, I'd rather be dead than what I feel right now. And and all these things happen. Elijah's up on this mountain and the Bible says there was an earthquake. The Bible says there was fire. There was rain, all these miraculous signs. But every single time after the sign, it says God was not in. God wasn't in the earthquake. God wasn't in the fire. God wasn't in the storm. God wasn't in these big things. I know there's people here and you've been praying for big things. God, I need healing. God, I need you to, to do this. But in that story with Elijah, God does not come, he does not show himself in the way that, that the prophet wanted him to show himself. He doesn't come in these big things. But all of a sudden, the Bible tells us that there's a whisper. There's a still small voice. And that still small voice and that whisper speaks to Elijah. And he speaks life into Elijah. And in essence, he says, I'm here. I'm with you. And for a lot of us who've been praying for big things, we want big things. We're, we might be asking ourselves, well, why would God show up in a whisper? Why would God show up in a whisper? I I don't need a whisper. I need need something else. I need a sign. I need a miracle. But God shows up in a whisper. But understand this, friends. You can only whisper when you're close. You can only whisper when you're close. And so when God shows up in a whisper, and I believe right now in this room, God is showing up in a whisper, that means that he's close. You wanted a sign, but God's here with a whisper. And he's saying, I love you. He's I'm with you. I have chosen you. You're mine. Friends, this Christmas season, God is close. He's closer than ever. He's closer than we could ever imagine. We don't want to, anyone to leave this place without having the chance to respond to that God who is close. Because I know there are people who came here this morning and you feel like you haven't felt God in a long time feel like God has not been close but this morning he's whispering into our hearts and I want us to be able to respond to that love of God this morning so if everyone could just bow their heads and close their eyes we just want to give people the chance to respond, our our heart is not to embarrass you, our heart is not to call anyone out, it's simply to give you the chance to respond to the love of Jesus this Christmas and so if you're in here this morning and God is whispering to your heart you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior this Christmas if you want to say God I hear you I know you are here I, I want you in my life if you want to accept that call from Jesus we're going to give you the chance right now it's super simple you don't have to come up to the front it's just a hand and every single eye is closed this is between you and the Lord I'm going to count to three and as soon as I count to three just show me your hand and we're going to pray in a second and just say Harrison count me in that prayer I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm just going to count to three real simple and show me your hands. One, two, three. Just show me your hand this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep your hands raised. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this message. We just want you to know this season that God is with you and God is closer than you ever thought or imagined. If you want any more information on us, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything you need and more. We would love to hear from you. Connect with us. We'll see you guys next time.